This is The Adoption Wait, a podcast brought to you by Adopting.com. I am your host, Lacey Richter, author, business owner, and a mom of two through domestic infant adoption who has endured the adoption wait five times over. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining me on the Adoption Wait podcast. Happy New Year. This is our first episode of Season 2 and our first episode of 2023. Today, I am super excited for our guest. She's a very good friend of mine. Her name is Kat, and Kat is an adoptive mom of two. And today, Kat and I are going to discuss open adoption and more specifically, how both of our hearts changed drastically from the time we decided to adopt to now in our current parenting roles. So Kat, I just want to start with you sharing a little bit about your adoption journey. I know when I was a waiting adoptive parent, I just wanted to hear all the stories. How long did you wait? What was your experience? So just give us the short story of why you chose adoption and how your family came to be. So the reason why we chose adoption, I have um, it's the normal. So I have can't carry a child full term. And my husband has a vasectomy. So we thought the best decision for our family would be through adoption. So we started that journey after months and months and months of praying. <laughs> Prayer first. <laughs> we um, started the journey. And I feel like we are pretty blessed. So we started the process in January and then the beginning of November, he was home with us. So it was, it was wow. quicker than we expected. And then for my daughter, as you know, we weren't really looking to adopt again. And our lawyer called us about her and we met with the birth mom and we decided that we just couldn't say no. (laughs) (laughs) And she came seven months later. So actually your, your wait was probably shorter than a lot of waiting adoptive parents are experiencing right now. Definitely a lot shorter. We were blessed with that. Yeah. So tell me about some challenges that you had during that waiting period, because this podcast, we really focus on the adoption wait. And we know from experience, both of us, that waiting can be very lonely. A lot of times you're not doing it with other families. Um, So what are some challenges that you had during your waiting period? Well, both both adoptions were very different for the waiting period. Um, Avery's, even though it was 10 months, it seemed pretty long to me. <laughs> because it was your first probably. Yes. And I kind of felt like it was never going to happen. And so I just kind of decided mm-hmm. I'm just going to live my life and not really worry about the waiting process. I didn't even put a room together. I didn't read the first book about adoption. (laughs) After the paperwork part is just so much paperwork, so much time, really emotional 
but it's just a lot that you have to do. So after that was finally done and I was waiting, I just decided to just go and have fun and try to relax and just get my mind off of it. So once we got matched, we only had eight weeks till he was born. Wow. So then trying to get my stuff for him, going to the doctor's appointments, working. So I just wasn't too stressed about it because everything was so quick and so busy. And Milo, my daughter, hers was unexpected, but the seven months was really hard. I feel like it was a lot harder than the first time. Yeah, that's interesting. I I knew what to expect. I knew that I knew yeah. all the fears that I probably should have had with the first <laughs> And it was really involved with the birth mom. We brought food to her every two weeks. And then I was very stressed out, just worrying that she might decide to not go with the adoption plan. So it was a long, lonely seven months. It was very stressful. And then, you know, I had my three-year-old. He was three at the time. Right. Just dealing with the three-year-old challenges. That just adds another layer to it. So that was very stressful. Very lonely because there's not a, you don't know a lot of people waiting there's a lot of people that are pregnant and they can talk to other pregnant moms. They can talk about their anxiety and their fears, but you don't have a lot of people waiting with you. Right. And yeah, you can talk to other adopted moms and they know how you feel, but you don't have anybody in that journey with you also waiting. Right. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is um, you, your two weights were very, very different experiences. Your first weight, you had no expectations. And so you were just a little more relaxed about it. And then once you knew what it was all about, it brought a little more fears and concerns to you, which is very understandable. So I want to turn our discussion to open adoption. And I'm putting, no one can see me, but I'm putting open adoption in quotes because Open adoption is a very abstract term, and in recent years, there have been many adoption educators and advocates who are trying to explain this term better, and there's a really wide spectrum of open adoption where you have one end, and it's just where you have a birth parent's contact information, and that is still called open adoption, and then you have a completely other end of the spectrum where you have adoptive families and birth families that are connected, that are in relationship, that are seeing each other or communicating. So before my husband and I educated ourselves and went through our adoption agency's Mm -hmm. education program, I would say that we were open to the first side of the spectrum, which was having contact information with birth parents. We were okay with that. But we were very fearful of having a relationship with the birth parents. So how did you and your family initially feel about open adoption? 
So when I talk about the open adoption, it's mainly going to be about my son since he was our first experience with open adoption. Okay. With my daughter, we already had experienced it. We knew what we had, what we wanted. So with my son, we, in our minds, we would just like do the pictures, do the letters. We thought the first year we'll do a few visits. And then after the first year, let's just do pictures and letters because we thought once our son started getting older, we didn't want him to be confused. Mm -hmm. Seeing the birth family, trying to figure out who they are, trying to figure out who we were. We thought it would just be too confusing. So we just thought after the first year, we'd just go to letters and pictures. And then that was going to be it for us. But as time goes on and you start doing the meetings and you start getting to know his birth family, your heart starts opening up and then you start understanding why you do an open adoption. You start understanding that it's for your child. Absolutely. I, I a hundred percent agree with everything you just said. And I think that's sort of where I was too. I was um, not focusing. I was focusing on myself and my needs and my fears and my concerns. And as you grow old, as your children grow older, you realize they're not going to be babies forever. They're going to grow up. They're going to have all these opinions and questions and thoughts. And that's where um, connecting with birth parents really starts to benefit you and your child mostly. So when we were waiting, the concerns that drove my fears, they were all due to false social messages about birth parents, about my own lack of confidence in parenting. I feared that if I had an open adoption, that these birth parents would see me not parenting correctly and just maybe regret their decision. I feared that they would want to see the kids often and that would be intruding into our lives. And of course, I had the very illogical fear that the birth parents would decide to take their children back. And all of those fears were not not true, should not have been a concern. So what were your specific fears of open adoption when you decided, okay, year one, we'll do some visits, some pictures, but year two, we're going to kind of phase out and just do letters and pictures. What were your fears? So I feared it would confuse my child. I feared that he would love his birth family more than me and not think of me as his mom. Mm -hmm. I feared that they would be involved in our lives too much. And I really think that's really the only fears I had. Yeah. With that. I think that that will resonate with a lot of adoptive parents who may be listening to this. And then um, just very like if you're a waiting adoptive family and you're listening to this and you have these fears of open adoption, they're very normal fears to have. Um, so 
that's how we both felt then, right? That was nine, almost 10 years ago. And I can't believe I'm sitting here. I feel like I just brought home a baby and I know you do too. And now we're nine and 10 years later. And my kids are, they're having an increasing amount of curiosities and questions about their birth parents. And it's, it's really amazing to see what they want to know. Sometimes it's super simple things like, do I have a sibling and does my birth mom like dogs and does my biological father like to draw like me? It's, it's all these things that we just don't think about on a day-to-day basis. And I'll tell you now, 10 years later, where I am is I'm on the complete other end of the spectrum. I wish for more. I wish for more contact, more visits, more information. I wish that for a better relationship, you know, our relationship continues to evolve and grow, but I, and I hope that it continues to do that as, as they grow, because I want to answer all of their questions to help them form a healthy identity. And one thing that waiting of adoptive parents need to focus on is something we just said, and that my friend and fellow podcast host, Tim Elder, he says this often, Adoption starts when you are placed with your child, your feelings, your, he says, your children, you have to focus. Your children will not always be babies. They're going to grow up and they're going to have all these thoughts and questions and feelings, personalities, and they're going to want to know these answers. And so today, 10 years later, I wish I had more contact with my children's birth parents. I continue to work on that. And I wish I had more answers to their questions. So Kat, how do you currently feel 10 years later about open adoption? I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that answer. (laughs) I can't imagine not doing it now. I can't even, I I wouldn't want to know what it's like to not know their birth families. I love them being able to connect with their birth families. I like them to know where they're from. I I feel like it doesn't leave any like unwanted questions because they know who they are. They're family now to us. I think when you're still in the waiting phase, some of those concerns that we were talking about where you were saying, I was concerned that um, they would love their birth families more than me. Like, I think when we feel that as a waiting adoptive parent, it makes us feel kind of silly and guilty, but it's normal. It's such a normal feeling, but we can sit here 10 years later and tell waiting adoptive parents, it's not like that at all. You can love your birth family, your adoptive family. You can have all these questions and to have more answers and more contact benefits, not only your children, which are the priority, but also you. So I know from personal experience that educating yourself when you're waiting and wrapping your own head around open adoption, you know, all our concerns and all our fears we had, that was one thing. But then you've got to educate your family and your friends on the process. And that can be quite another thing. So 
Do you have any tips for waiting adoptive families on how to get their family on board with open adoption, how to explain open adoption to their families and um, just let them know that it's for the benefit of these adoptees? So the way I approached it is I, after that first year, when I thought I was going to just do pictures and no visits, I did a bunch of research to figure out what, if it would benefit my child to only do pictures or if it would benefit my child to continue the visits. So I did all the research and then I told my family about all the research and why we should do open adoption. So once I presented all the information to them, they understood it and they were on board with it. And so they've been, we've been blessed. They've been understanding about it. But I think that helped like telling them, this is the research I found. This is the reasons why we're doing it. Yeah. Letting them know that you've already done the work um, and that this laying out all the benefits and letting just cluing them in and letting them know, because I think what we as adoptive parents and waiting adoptive parents forget sometime is um, we do a lot of work to educate ourselves on the adoption process and open adoption and how to parent our children um, through all their questions. And um, families who don't have a lot of knowledge of open adoption or adoption at all, it can just seem um, so different to them. And so anytime I get an opportunity to talk about adoption with other families, um, I always take that opportunity to do that so we can just spread awareness and knowledge of what it looks like to be a healthy adoptive family. So my children have different biological parents and we have very different relationships with each of their birth parents. And I think you do too. So from experience, I know it can be really hard for siblings who are seven years old and nine years old to know that their sibling has, you know, gets to see their birth parent or have phone calls with their birth parent. And maybe they don't have that kind of information or connection or relationship with their birth parent. And we've really had to manage that in our home. Um, and I know this can be hard. Do you have any experience with managing different birth parent relationships between your two children? So, um, so what I, Things I do, um, first off, we're really fortunate that when we see the birth moms, we, if they bring a gift to one child, they bring it to the other child. Mm. So we've been very fortunate that they both feel loved by each other's birth moms. And what I would say is if you have a situation that it's not like that, to maybe encourage the birth families to try to open arms to all the kids so they mm -hmm. all feel equally loved by the birth families. So we've been very fortunate with that. Another suggestion I would say is if you can't do another visit, maybe a phone call or just a phone call so just say, hey. So, so far we've had good luck with them feeling treated equally, but it, you know, the, you're, you have to put the effort towards it too. Absolutely. 
Um, I love the idea of, of having that birth family um, sort of take on the role of just accepting both siblings as family because um, that's their siblings. And so um, I think it would be very natural and easy for a birth parent to do that To I know the other day, my daughter was having a FaceTime with her birth mom, which has not happened very often. Um, but of course my youngest daughter wanted to get in on that. And it was just lovely to see them all chatting and connecting together. And so my youngest daughter, she didn't feel left out at all. You know, she definitely had more questions after that phone call and wanted to know a lot about her birth family. After that, we were talking more about birth families. Um, and also I think that it's age, it it depends on the age, right? I think you guys very early on started that where a birth parent would bring a gift and bring a gift for both kids when they were very young, because we know kids are very attuned to that. If one gets a gift, the other one needs a gift. So that's um, helpful to make them feel like they're not left out. Um, I was preparing for this episode and I did a quick little Google search and I was like, let me just see if I Googled open adoption as a, as a new, someone starting out new, not knowing a lot about adoption, what would I find? And I was kind of shocked about the first thing that popped up and I wanted to share it with our audience. It said, drawbacks to open adoption. It can be difficult for adoptive families and birth parents to occupy the same role. And I thought, wait, hold on. That is not what open adoption is at all. We are not uh, co-parenting. We are just having a relationship together so that our children are connected to their birth families. And then it went on to say, an open adoption that allows contact between birth parents and the adoptee can result in confusion for the child when it comes to authority and what to expect, expect from each parent. And I think you expressed a little bit of that, that you were scared that the kids might be confused, but it says when it comes to authority and what to expect from each parent. But I thought this is the worst information ever because open adoption is not co-parenting and that I, I'm sure that this, this fear for current waiting adoptive parents would not be very encouraging. So I'm concerned about what information waiting adoptive parents are getting and when they try to research this topic, what they are finding. So do you have any specific, like, I know you said you didn't read a lot of books and things, but did you have any resources or links or books? And, and this answer might be no, that you would go to to help uh, waiting adoptive parents get educated. I do. Because as I said, I know I did not read much, but (laughs) so thank goodness I still had the link so I could (laughs) share it with everybody. This is what, this is what really um, changed my heart and made me really understand open adoption. Okay. So it's a, it's more of a report and it's lengthy, but it is worth the read. It is called Openness and Adoption from Secrecy and Stigma to Knowledge and Connections. It's by Deborah Siegel and Susan Smith. So what they did is they took all this research on open and closed adoptions and they wrote a 50 page report about it. So it pretty much answers any question 
And looking back at it today, it's really spot on. Mm-hmm. It's really spot on for open adoption. And this was something you read 10 years ago, right? Yes. Well, wow. so it would have been like, what, eight years ago? Eight, eight years. Now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to make them older than they are. Well, I'm going to put a link to, I'm going to link in the show notes, the link okay. so people can find that because that sounds like it's a really, was really helpful for you. Okay. I want to say too, that, you know, you have one kid and you're like, how am I going to love this next child just as much as I love my first? And then you mm-hmm. just, your heart expands and we both know that's how open adoption is. Yeah. You're like, how can I have this birth family in our lives? And then your heart expands and you just can't imagine your life without them. Absolutely. I'm just sitting on that thought with it's what a, what a great thought, because it is, I mean, if you look at and you know, rewind this podcast and what we said 10 years, you know, to eight, 10 years ago, how we were feeling. And I just, you know, I wanted to do the bare minimum, um, but it has completely changed. And now I want all of it. I want all of the information and all of the connection. And so I just continue to work on those relationships. And I know that you do too. So I'm going to link that resource that you have in the show notes. And also I have a resource that I was going to suggest, which is a book by Lori Holden. Uh, Lori also has a podcast on adopting.com and her book is called the open hearted way to open adoption. And Lori's book inspired a model called the inclusive family support model. And it focuses on the message that keeping adoptees connected to their biological family will improve their overall well-being. And I 100% stand behind that message. Um, It's a great resource and a great place for waiting adoptive families to start to educate themselves. Um, And it says it supports adoptive families in creating more open relationships with their children's biological families. So I'm going to link to that book and also the inclusive family support model. They have a little short, like three minute YouTube video that is great for kids to watch, for family members to watch, to just get everybody on the same page and understanding the benefits of open adoption. Um, Kat, this conversation has been awesome. And I know it's going to help encourage our waiting adoptive families to seek more information on open adoption and just to understand it better and to understand that their hearts might change from the beginning to when they're finally placed. Um, And I hope that it helps clear up some misinformation and take away some of those fears. So 10 years ago when we were waiting, I wasn't really plugged into a bunch of podcasts and there wasn't the big online adoption community for education and support. Um, but I wish there was. And so could you give me two to three things that you really helped keep you going while you were in the adoption wait? Pray, pray, and praying. Yeah. <laughs> One, two, honestly, and three. <laughs> honestly, that's really all I could do. I mean, yeah. you're so close to God, I feel like, in the adoption process and the waiting process, because all I could do was just pray and pray. A hundred percent. That was, that's a great answer. I love that. And I remember when we were waiting together, you know, 
Um, I'm, I'm very fear-based person. And sometimes I would lay my fears out and you would be like, okay, well, maybe you should just pray about that fear. <laughs> so that is incredibly helpful. You were a huge support to me during our wait and continue to be as we navigate our children's relationships with their birth parents. And um, I know that this podcast is going to be an encouragement to waiting families. So thank you so much for being with us today, Kat. Thanks for having me.